Welcome to Dean's Council, a podcast aimed at supporting university leaders holding one of the more critical jobs on university campus. Your panelists, Ken Kring, Jim Ellis, and Dave Eikenberry, engage in conversation with highly accomplished deans and other academic leaders regarding the ever-complex array of challenges deans face in one of the loneliest and most unique jobs in the academy. Transitioning into a new deanship is always challenging. There's a new environment to learn, a new set of relationships to master, and a new budget picture to understand, among a myriad of other challenges. Of course, throughout this time, expectations among all the school's various constituencies is typically running quite high. In this episode, we learn from someone who has gone through this startup experience several times. For over 20 years, Jean Anderson has served in senior leadership roles. Much of that is dean of three separate business schools, both public and private. After spending a decade as senior associate dean at Michigan's Ross School of Business and working with and learning from several legendary academic mentors, Jean went on to lead the business schools at both the University of Miami and Syracuse University. In August of 2022, he started a new role as Dean of the Katz School of Business Management and College of Business Administration at the University of Pittsburgh. In this episode, Gene shares his experiences in these different organizations, and we hear his advice on how to best prioritize and tackle the remarkable challenge each new Dean faces in their first 100 days as they assume a new leadership role. So Gene Anderson, Great to have you here today, the University of Pittsburgh Dean. You're in a relatively new role there, but frankly, you know, as we've had our conversations, <clears throat> we have a high regard for the arc of your career as a dean. Uh, having been a dean now, this will be your, this is the beginning of your third uh, institution and have been in uh, academic leadership positions for you know, most of your uh, academic career. So you bring a tremendous amount of uh, experience and perspective from, as we noted, both leading public uh, universities and business schools and private universities. So I think as we start out, it'd be very interesting to hear you just comment on sort of the arc of your experience and some of the contrast and comparisons between one institution and another. Oh my! Well, first of all, thank you guys again for uh, for 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 inviting me, and thinking I have I have I have something of value to share for your for your audience and everything. So the arc, I I hope it's on the upswing still on the upper part of it. If it, if it's going to be an arc, I hope I haven't I haven't <laughs> hit, hit the zenith of it or the or the perigee yet. But but it's been yeah, it's been it's been interesting. So yeah, as you said, some publics and privates. I think some of the interesting things about them is I was, you know, I started my career at a, at a public that behaves as a private, and then went on to 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 be a dean at multiple privates, some of which behaved more like publics than than the uh, than the public that I was at to begin with. So I'll give you just kind of a, a, a brief sketch and then and then we can we can we can dive in uh, to whatever you want to double click on. So uh, you know, Michigan was a great 
place for me to for me to start out. I was uh, I, the institution of, of course is is a terrific one, and and I, I was really fortunate to to learn and and uh, basically from watching and working with some really great people. Gil Whitaker, who was uh, I think he was on his third deanship at Michigan, and later after being provost at Michigan, went on to be dean at Rice. Joe White, um, who was a wonderful dean and leader in the 90s at Michigan and went on to be president at the University of Illinois, um, Bob Dolan, Allison Davis-Blake, Ted Snyder, Paul Dan, just a wonderful group. And each one of them, they were all well-rounded at a high level, but also pointy in some, some, some respects. Gil was a great negotiator. Joe was a great communicator. Bob Dolan was a great strategist. Allison, a great pragmatist and getting things done. Um, Ted was great at everything. And uh, and so I learned a lot from watching each each one of them that I hope I carried forward to the uh, to the to the schools that I got asked to be to be dean at. And and those were different. You know, so uh, Miami, uh, SU, uh, Syracuse, and uh, so this University of Miami in Florida, of course, and Syracuse, the Whitman School of Management there, and then Pitt. Um, they're all very different from one another and from Michigan, but I guess so. Some of the things they have in there, I guess they're all in the ACC. So I've been working my way through the ACC. Uh, I think I'm, I'm hopefully done with that. I'm excited to land, land, land here in Pittsburgh. I think the common things about them: lots, lots of opportunity for innovation at each one. Some really good local and distinctive assets to draw on at each one. You know, Miami, it was really the, you know, the Miami location, um, kind of gate, gateway to the Americas and um, a great place to be uh, working on international business and things like sustainability. Syracuse, it was uh, all about that connection to, to, to New York City and uh, really upping the game with experiential learning and teaming up with the other great professional schools on campus. And I'm seeing some opportunities like that here in Pittsburgh. There, there are wonderful things going on, uh, especially in the healthcare sector around uh, innovation, automation, robotics, advanced manufacturing. Some, some really interesting assets to, uh, and and the rest of the university to try to try to draw on. And, and so I think what what's in common across them is trying to identify what's distinctive about them and and find ways to bring together the strengths of the school with the strengths and the needs of the communities that it's that the school serves in distinctive ways that translate into great outcomes for students number 1 and 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 hopefully into to great research opportunities for faculty number num, number 2 and we can dive more into in, into strategy and stuff like that when we uh, well as, as we as we go forward. But so those have been some of the the the, the common things, and, and I think a lot of the commonality in terms of what I was able to contribute was sharpening up of strategy and and the school's brand and identity in in each case. Um, part part of that's probably driven because I'm a marketing guy, and that stuff comes naturally. And then a lot of it trying to again leverage the distinctive uh, assets that that each school um, seem seem to have, and and probably most importantly trying to strengthen and and diversify the faculty at each one of the schools. So those were some of the common things. 
question for you on the on the bureaucracy. Um, did you feel a difference in bureaucracies between a private institution and a public one where your leadership skills had to vary just based on the fact that organizationally it was different, creativity and the ability to make decisions was different in terms of the authority you were given vis-a-vis -vis responsibility. Did you find that different in terms of public versus private? Very much so, but not in the direction that you're that that you may be thinking. Michigan was, I think I referred to earlier. I, I grew up at a public that behaved as a private, and then moved to um, smaller private schools that were. Um, there was a lot more shared governance, shared services, shared decision making all the way across the board. So, Michigan, uh, very classic RCM approach to uh, to the way the university ran and the way the university was was governed. And so, the individual schools and colleges had a lot of latitude, a lot of uh, uh, decision making latitude in terms of. Uh, budgets in terms of faculty hiring in terms of what we were what we were going to do with our programs and things going forward so we had a lot more there there was a lot of flexibility there and you were essentially tubs, a tub on your own bottom at uh, each one of those schools the experience at, that I've had and and I'm still getting to know Pitt which is somewhere in between but Miami, Syracuse, uh, much more tightly integrated with the central administration, a lot stronger un university governance um, across across the university. So what the business school did, you would have to make sure you were you were you were going to get the other schools and colleges on board to get things through a university senate, and then. So many of the uh, of the services that uh, whether it was development or human resources, IT, many of those many of those things were much more shared at at Miami and SU um, than they were than they were at Michigan, and so there was a a lot more a lot more different parties to deal with on uh every decision that you were that you were trying to make in internally and um and a lot more uh oversight and approvals around um around budgets around uh staff and faculty hiring um and elements like that so i i kind of i kind of went from a from a, a public that behaved as a private to privates that behave more like more like you might expect a public to behave yeah the the one thing is that kind of hits me is Michigan obviously adds a critical mass and that gives you just huge latitude in terms of innovation, et cetera, because you've got funding that you can pull out of different accounts and say, I'm going to use this and I'm going to do this. And, and, and being a big school like that, whether, I mean, kudos to them for being public and acting private. I got, and that's why it's such a great institution. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is both those, it's, it's the school's level of resources and the university's levels level of resources. And then the scale of it, because it allows them to run uh, an RCM because these other schools I've been at have had RCM like models, but uh, they don't, they don't adapt in the same way to medium sized institutions as they do to, to, to large scale institutions. So so the the scale is what um, uh, in in a lot 
the combination of scale and resources is is what you know provides you with a lot more independence, a lot more latitude of decision making and authority. So you can, yeah, you can you can do a lot more. You're accountable for a lot more, and you have to own a lot more. But you have you have a lot more flexibility at uh, at, a, at a larger scale institution like that that's run like Michigan. How much did your fundraising come into play on something like that in terms of development and being able to generate funds that you could use yourself in the school? Yeah, so so that was one of the shared services. Whereas at at I I grew up at Michigan with a with probably 20 people at the business school who were involved in fundraising and development and I was involved a lot in identification, qualification, bringing bringing um, uh, at least modest amounts of money, and getting to to ask. You know, obviously, my my dean at the time, Bob Dolan, got to uh, to to ask for the big dollars. But the uh, interesting challenge at both uh, Miami and 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 Syracuse was you were working with a much uh, a much more much more of a hub and spoke kind of of arrangement with the with the central development folks so you had to um yeah you, you had to collaborate much more closely you had to get um approvals to do a lot of things before before you could go out and do them and they were they were particularly both all schools both schools particularly careful about moving their highest value uh prospects and 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 donors into the central pool and so that that would always pose a challenge when you're when when you especially if you have had big ideas and you were and and you were looking for ways to start new centers start new institutes it became a it, it's much much more of a of a team game than a than than kind of your individual ability to uh to get out, cultivate, and grow relationships, and 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 raise the money that you need to, to especially for transformative gifts. Gene, I got to know you at Michigan, and got to know your reputation at Michigan from the mentors whom you um, understudied. And I know that you were more than uh, an internal dean, but you but you were in many ways an internal dean, and did a tremendous amount of uh, initiative. You know, new programs. Um, I mean, you were involved in in a lot of different disciplines, which I would imagine helped spawn your transition into um, becoming a dean. But interested to hear, sort of, where did you? What parts of the playbook were you able to bring? What were you not able to bring? How did you? How did you sort of get up to speed in a new environment? No, that's a that's a that's a great question, Ken. So I think I think probably. Two of the things, for example, that Michigan does extremely well that I was able to get to get involved in and have a lot of great experience. And one was, as you know, we're talking about working with other disciplines, other schools and colleges. The place had, when I was there, maybe 18 to 20 dual degrees, joint degrees with other schools and colleges, maybe 20 to 30 faculty who had joint appointments across the university on a faculty of 120, 130, and then some great, well, in, institutes and and centers that were kind of jointly run, you know, between business and engineering or business and and uh, uh, the School of Natural Resources around sustainability, for example. And so that that desire to do things cross-disciplinary, you know, going after some of the grand 
the grand challenges that we're that that we're facing, teaming up with other disciplines to do that. Um, I I carried that with me. I was certainly certainly able to draw on that a lot um, on that experience and having that kind of a of a template in mind. Um, or example in mind um, when developing strategy and working through things at uh, at, at both uh, Miami and 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 SU, and I and I think the other the other part besides the interdisciplinary part was around experiential learning. Um, Michigan has a, a long uh, long history in that area. Developed a flagship um, experience for its first year MBAs um, back 1991, 1992s. Joe White and and Paul Danos led the the the, the innovation there, um, and I learned a lot from the experience of running that program while I was in the dean's office at at Michigan, and so I carried that. Um, I've carried both the idea of how important experiential learning is, um, and how instrumental it is to uh, to to pro both to the students and kind of raising the the level in the game of programs with me um, as I've gone forward, as as well as kind of some of the best practices of 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 how to do it. So those those would be two things that uh, that have played, and then I think a, a, a third would be. Just kind of the combination of of, of learning. Uh, you mentioned the, the 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 people, some of the people I listed that I learned from. I think the approach that I took to kind of working with uh, with a with a school um, uh, with a community really to develop kind of a, a a shared strategic orientation and commonly agreed upon goals and then pursue them. Um, I think a lot of that came from a combination of seeing the power of of uh you know ha having a clear clearly articulated strategy and priorities and uh, the 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 power of having great communication around around those and i i i'm i'll, I'll never be as good a strategist as bob or as good as a communicator as joe white was but um uh, i think i was able to draw a lot on what i learned from 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 folks like that that served me well and i hope served the schools that i was at well as i've gone from one deanship to the next here as you've gone from one deanship to the next you've as you alluded to earlier you've you've got very different but different budgeting strategies and rcm on one end and all the other ways that people do it on the other what do you recommend to a brand new dean coming in who really, in terms of comprehension of that, that's the budgeting strategy. I mean, it would seem to me that, you know, that's a really important thing to know what levers you can pull, what levers you can't pull from a financial standpoint. Um, you know, how do you, how do you recommend to somebody that's a newbie in a job going about that process? Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that is, as you're, you astutely allude, allude, allude to that is one of the most important things you have to do early on is really understand the uh, the, the budget model that's in place at, at at your university and 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 use and use your knowledge of that to start identifying how you should set priorities and what kind of levers you can you can pull to go forward. Um, so so we're in, in you know in transition here at Pitt from a uh, more traditional university um pie model of budgeting to uh to an rcm like kind of kind kind of approach and so i'm i'm really excited about that because i feel like i i, I have 
um, you know, several decades of experience with uh, with different kinds of budget models. So I'm really looking forward to to diving in as we make this transition. But but it's it's so important. Um, it's so important to have uh, a great, uh, a really good senior staff in that um, in that budget role that you can that you can talk to and 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 get to know to start making connections with uh, the uh, the whatever it is, the, there's always going to be a vice provost of, of budgets or faculty affairs, financial things. You've got to get to know those folks very well early on. It's always good to talk to some of the deans that have been, especially if the budget model has been in place for a while. Um, great to talk to some of the other deans on campus, um, especially the professional school deans about um, uh, some of the ins and outs. Um, so, and make make friends with them take them to dinner um uh, get a nice bottle of wine and you know um and 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 uh and see what comes back you know what you what you what you can learn about things so all the, all those are really and and then you know, you have to get some some of your um fac, faculty are always interested in wanting to dive in on this and if you can get the right folks especially coming from accounting finance to uh, to partner with you and and try to understand the budget model that can that that can help with things um and and it's you know it's it's been really instrumental for uh for for what i've done at each one of these at each one of these schools at michigan bob and i were the one of the first to, to kind of really dive in and understand what the rcm model meant for different programs that we were running and then use that to prioritize across the programs that we wanted to that we wanted to grow, that we wanted to uh, to to develop, and then um, coming coming into Miami, uh, that was a, the challenge. There was they had a uh, um, a university pie model at the undergraduate level, and then they had kind of an RCM like model at the graduate level, um, and they had just kind of moved to that. So it was one of these where you you had to pay a certain percentage of your revenue to the uh you had to share i'm sorry share a certain percentage of your revenue with the uh with the provost office um may, maybe i should say that the provost office was willing to share a certain percentage of the revenue with us <laughs> would be a more appropriate way to say it but 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 understanding what that meant um that that drove our our uh and and how it would apply to different kinds of programs that we were offering that drove our, uh, our our strategy there, and 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 generated a lot of resources that allowed us to do the other things that we wanted to do: develop faculty, um, build our alumni relations and development area, and stuff like that. And the same the same thing was true at uh, at Syracuse. So really, I think you hit the nail on the head at the beginning. You really you really want to make that one of your your top priorities early on. Um, getting getting to know how the budget model at the university really works, because at the end of the day, that's what's gonna that that's that's what's gonna help make or break whatever strategy you put together. Because if you don't if you don't have the levers to pull to get the resources that you need to to pursue priorities, it's 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 gonna be a rough sledding. Uh, on a related note, how do you start up in a new deanship in terms of building uh, credibility? trust with uh, internal constituencies and external constituencies? And what, what kind of experiences or uh, insights can you uh, share with, particularly with new deans who are likely to be stepping into, you know, some, at least some new phase of constituent management? So think, things that I think have worked well, 
your deanship does not begin on your start date. Your deanship begins <laughs> begins it actually begins during the search process, but but it really begins when the announcement comes out. And so I think the the more quickly you can reach out to key people, um, key people at the school and some of the, the maybe key board members, you know, obviously the board chair, some of the more important donors, reach out, introduce yourself, um, you know, ask them about their experience at the school and getting to know. So that's, that, I think uh, you've got to start those relationships right away. Um, and 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 reach out to them. I think the sooner you can get on campus, <laughs> and 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 to be seen and to be visible, the better. One thing I should learn from these transitions is I I, I should accept the job earlier in the year. I I have never never gotten gotten an offer before like the uh, the, the 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 middle of May. And so it gives you a very short runway um, to get going. But if you have a longer runway, you can you can do a you can do a lot as kind of a soft start to uh, to get to know know people. And I think through that process, and certainly in the early days, the communication side of things is is super important. And 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 one thing I've tried to do is is communicate things like uh, you you can't obviously no one. Want, is going to if if you're smart you're not going to walk in and start saying well I think we should do this this and this right but what you can do is is communicate aspirations and values you know you can talk about what's important you, know, you value high impact research you value um, you know program innovation uh, you value equity diversity making statements up front that communicate what what people might expect going forward right by by letting people know it's kind of kind of uh, communicating a value-based direction rather than specific directions is one way i think about it so i think it's i think it's important for people to start to get to know the shape that your deanship might might start to assume as it moves forwards Making those value statements can help to indicate what kinds of things are going to be a high priority for you as you as you as you come in. So that's that that that's certainly one thing. I think um, related to that coming in is uh, and this kind of goes back to relationships. But as you actually uh, are setting foot on campus, those first um, few weeks months are a really important time to be identifying who the really key people are who are the pillars of the faculty you know who has influence who has decision making um uh power within the faculty same with the senior staff who are the the the, the senior staff who you're really going to rely on going forward and and then the same with your with your boards and uh with your advisory boards and uh and one, maybe one of the most recognized that, that that those people may not be the first ones at your door. That you may you may have to uh, talk to a lot of people to 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 kind of start to figure out where the how the affinity arrows and the influence arrows run within the with within a place. Um, so those are some of the 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 key things getting going. And then it doesn't take long before people start. Uh, the 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 conversations 
for many for for a while start with well how's it going so far but they pretty soon start to change over to so what what do you think we should be doing <laughs> right it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't take long and i think it's getting shorter but but i think you still need to be cognizant that you are the new person and you're still learning about the place but i think you want to give people a sense that you are gaining insights and that you're testing ideas. Um, and uh, I think as early as you can um, start to reflect back what you're hearing and and getting, you know, getting people's input, getting feedback on that. I think there really is something to this hundred day thing. I think if you I, I think by the time you get to a hundred days, you have to be able to stand up. Um, you know, in a town hall with faculty and staff and say, this is what I think we're facing. And this is where I think we need to focus. And this is how we're going to get organized to really, um, to really address these issues and, 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 and go after them. But, but I think how you get to that point is important, right? You need, to, it needs to be collective and collaborative. And because uh, I think people, even though you're going to be ultimately responsible for shaping a vision and 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 priorities you want to do it as collectively as possible so it's both kind of bottom up and 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 top down it's so interesting you say this i i've go back to my first introduction to the faculty in the meeting where the provost kind of says here's your new dean and then he leaves the room and the i said anybody got any questions and uh the very first question was, um, so what did the president and provost tell you we have to do here at Marshall? And I said, guys, they didn't tell me anything. That's our job to figure it out. What, what Do you think they're setting an agenda? It's our agenda. We get to do this. And they kind of look at me like, oh, really? And, and I said, yeah. And then, then the next one says, next one says, so what about raising money? Are you going to be able to raise money? Do you know how to raise money? And then within a week, it's, have you raised any money? Well, how are you doing? Are we raised? And they think I'm walking around with my hand out, you know, and say, you know, hi, Steve, I need 10 million bucks for this center. Can you, wait, guys, let's, we got to talk about building relationships. We got, there's, and it's so interesting, the faculty, while they want to give you the honeymoon, they don't want to give you the honeymoon because they're antsy. And like you say, and and the hundred days. I think if we if we could get ourselves that, that the hundred days would just be the right number. It just feels right. You're absolutely right about that. It's so good that you said that, and I hope that deans listen to that because it really is an important. That's just a, it's a number, but on the other hand, it's a good gauge as to where you are three months into the process. That's that's right as well. And 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 actually, it. Uh, um, is related to and 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 uh, um, feeds into uh, what you were saying about development and philanthropy. You have to develop relationships. You can't you can't walk into a, a meeting with a board member and ask them for money on the first on the first visit unless that's been very well teed up, right? By 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 everyone. Um, but the 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 quicker you can get to um, you know here's 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 what we're facing and here's what we need to focus on. 
um, and can start to articulate uh, what the vision and priorities are going to be going forward. And, and of course, it's good to, in, if you've engaged the advisory board and some of the potential donors in that conversation. But the sooner you can you 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 have that narrative, the 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 the, the more quickly you're going to be able to start turning that into uh, development strategy and turning it into real gifts that 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 and and being able to put yourself in a position to ask for uh, for for gifts to help support the strategy. Well, Gene, experience matters, and the quality of experience and the diversity of experience, and it comes through in this conversation. This is really um, lots of uh, lots of great insights to share with others. And we uh, just really appreciate uh, your being available for this conversation. Great, it's really been great, terrific. Thanks to both of you for uh, for, for inviting me. I hope I've uh, offered at least a few ideas or, or, or uh, insights that'll be, that'll be helpful to someone out there. Thanks again and take care. I thought that was very, very good. It was a, an experienced, professional, administrative leader really sharing his thoughts, uh, not only how he is a leader, but how he also learned to be a leader from the mentors upon whose shoulders he stands. Wasn't that interesting? I mean, he was really able to cite you know, different things that he got from different I mean, really, the mentee to the mentor all valued uh, those experiences. And he also drew tremendous amount from his early experience and figured out sort of what applied and what didn't apply. Good strategic mind, you know, being able to uh, adapt um, to different situations. Yeah, he's, you know, that's the marketing guy in him that has the flexibility to really understand who the customer is and, and how to adapt to the customer. And, and he put that in practice every single time he hit the ground and hit the ground running. And I like his other, his other thought to brand new deans in particular, don't wait till your first day on campus as a new dean, wait until the day you've been appointed and then go and go. And, and you know, there's a, there's people that tend to be loyal to the, their existing institution and want to, finish everything up before they leave. It doesn't happen. You're never going to get it all done. You have to understand now that you are really a lame duck and you are really working for your new institution and get going, make some phone calls. You know, you don't take the whole day, but just get started right away. Yeah. And, and he really validated the hundred day, you know, cliche, not a cliche. It's actually for real. And he actually was able in a very natural way to talk about what some of the stepping stones are to being to assuring that those first uh, hundred days are really uh, productive and lay the foundation for what comes next. Yes, yeah, that really it really does lay the foundation because this is where the vision is going to come from is what you've learned and gleaned from those conversations you've had in those first few months. That hundred day thing, I think, is just such a great it's it really isn't a cliche as you say it really is it's valuable in the time work so i was really happy to hear him say those kinds of things also the the vast experience he's had in finance with budgeting systems and really understanding the whole um institutional and organizational culture uh being influenced by 
by financial model and then and then sort of building your capabilities around those different uh, uh, ways of operating. Yeah, your key guy there is going to be your your uh, senior associate dean, CFO, whatever you call him at the school level, who then will make sure that you get into the conversations with the people at Central um, as to those strategies. And, and you've got to be a total lockstep with your finance guy. And then that finance person's got to help you get in lockstep with the university. So that, again, very invaluable in terms of uh, the thought there. That was great. I think it was an excellent, excellent time well spent. Good. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dean's Council. This show is supported in part by Corn Ferry, leaders in executive search. Dean's Council was produced in Boulder, Colorado by Joel Davis of Analog Digital Arts. For a catalog of previous shows, please visit our website at deanscouncil.com. If you have any feedback for us, please let us know by sending an email to feedback at deanscouncil.com. And finally, please hit follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so that you can automatically receive our latest show.